Welcome back, everyone, to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I am Nate. We've got Jimbo in the house today, and we are fresh, 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 fresh off of the Atlantic City, off of the National. You'll notice we didn't do a podcast last week, mainly because it had been like impossible to figure out, especially with no Wi-Fi in the building. And uh, But we're fresh off of the National, and we're ready to talk some trade deadline. What do you say, Jimbo? Yeah, freshly packed hole, gaining corners. That's how I feel right now. That's right. Um, so we are. We are going to talk about the trade deadline. That is going to be the majority of the show today. But there are a few prospects I want to bring up first. And the reason I want to bring them up is so that Jimbo reminds me later that I like them because I inevitably always forget about these guys. So let me lead you past my thought process this morning. A couple weeks ago, there was a kid on the Marlins. Last name of Vargas something. I can't remember. Couldn't find him again today. I wanted to look at his stats. Could not remember his name for the life of me. Go look up the DSL Marlins teams. He's not on the list. But what I do find is Byron Churio. And uh, Byron Churio is a 17-year-old that is hitting 333 with a 415 on base and a 422 slugging in Dominican Summer League. Um, 18 walks to only 22 strikeouts, 14 stolen bases. Like he's playing really well, <coughs> playing really well for a 17 year old Dominican summer league. I was like, Oh, I wonder if he is brothers to Jackson Churio. Couldn't find that out. But what I did find out was that it was that Jackson does have a brother, Jason in the, uh, Cleveland guardian system. He is also in the Dominican summer league and he is hitting 301 with a 471 on base and a 398 slugging. And what's crazy is he has, you know, the power not there right now, three doubles, two triples, one home run, but he has 33 walks to 16 strikeouts. Really, really good. And so I was all over the place this morning trying to figure out the one guy and then finding a different Churio and then finding Jackson Churio's brother, which then led me to the guy I really wanted to talk about today. And the reason I want to talk about him was because I didn't want to forget about him. And that is Tink Hentz. So uh, you heard me correct. His first name is Tink, T-I-N-K. His last name is Hentz, H-E-N-C-E. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, Tink is absolutely killing it in the minors this year in a ball for the Cardinals. So he's drafted in the second round of 2020 draft out of... Uh, He's born in Arkansas, of all places, which is wild. Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And he currently has a 103 ERA as a 19-year-old in A-ball. 35 innings, 11 starts. He's only given up 0.771 walks, hits per inning pitched. That's insane. 4.4 hits per nine. Zero home runs in his 35 innings this year. 2.6 walks per nine, which is nice. And 15.2 strikeouts per nine. This is a guy, Tink Hentz, who has all of the makings of one of the next up-and-coming pitching prospects in baseball. I mean, you look at those numbers, those are super good. Limiting hits, limiting walks, not giving up home runs, striking huge amounts of guys out. 15 Over 15 Ks per nine is Josh Hader, Devin Williams territory, but as a starter. That's ridiculous to me. And um, 
I feel like I feel like I was looking at his autos the other the other day, yesterday, and there was one for sale for thirty bucks, base auto. Um, for me, if if this guy really keeps panning out, you know, with the stats he had right now, uh, refractor auto today fifty five dollars, uh, base auto thirty dollars. That's the one I was looking at. Sparkle out of seventy one hundred ten dollars August third. Sparkle out of 71, August 2nd, $52. Um, this dude, <coughs> this dude has all the makings. And I have a tweet here. I have a tweet real quick. If I can pull it up before uh, Jimbo ex explodes from not being able to say anything here. And uh, he is throwing <coughs> 95 to 97 on his fastball, topping out 98. Breaking ball in the low 80s with sharp break for strikes. Change up flashes plus with heavy glove side tumble at 85, 86. He had 12 whiffs last night through three innings, including five strikeouts. Tank hints. Not only does he have an amazing name, but his stats are amazing in a ball. Uh, he's in a good system that develops pitchers and base auto $30. Man, I'll take a flyer on a dude like that all day for 30 bucks all day. Um, but that's all I got. That's all I got. I wanted to bring up the Churio, the Churios, Jason and Byron. Keep your eye out for those cards. They're not out yet. And then Tink Hentz, 2020 Bowman draft cards. Um, 30 bucks for base. He's a stud. Yeah, I agree. He's got he's got some crazy stuff. Um, it's funny because when when you jumped on, you said you were going to talk about Tink. I actually did a, a tweet about him yesterday on I'm going to start doing more on my on my Twitter on with some of these uh some of these players with the daily stuff because the uh, MLB pipeline does a great, uh, they shoot out so many different tweets on a lot of these minor league guys. So I'm going to put, do tweets to add on top of that. And then also to show if they have cards or not, but like, Oh, Tink is in a uh, 2020 Bowman draft. Um, so no, I agree this kid and he's on the Cardinals. They develop, develop pitchers, develop really anyone pretty nicely. So uh, I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, dude, dude is a stud and, Honestly, you know, it's one thing to have a low ERA as a as a 19-year-old in A-ball. Like your first taste of of A or higher and you have a good ERA, that's one thing. But when the numbers, the strikeouts, the limited walks, the limited hits, the limited home runs or no home runs at all in 35 innings back it up, that's a whole nother story. That proves that, you know, you can sometimes luck into a low ERA. Um, yeah. He is not. He is not lucking into a low ERA here. He is legitimately this skilled, and um, <clears throat> from a from an extra base hit standpoint, can I find that? I don't know if I'll be able to find that here. Um, maybe if I look on Fangraphs real quick, he must be. He must be absolutely killing it. No home runs. I'm curious to see how many doubles he's given up. If if I can find that stat, and I don't know if I can, it is not on. It is not on baseball reference. Should I bring up another guy in the meantime? Yeah, bring up another guy in the meantime. So one thing I wanted to bring up is so right now is an interesting time because we are past the like we're we're past the half, you know, the the halfway point. Um, so this is actually a lot of fun too when looking at prospects because instead of looking at uh, some of these prospects overall numbers, because it is, you know, they have sh such a short sample size of how long they've been playing professionally that when we get to this point, I like to find some sleepers that are, that had a good, you know, let's say 30 to 45 days. 
And a lot of times you can find some, some great sleepers. And one, one person, actually, there's two people I wanted to bring up that I discovered last night was looking at Oswald Peraza. You know, you're, if you just click him, he's with the Yankees, uh, shortstop, young kid, 22 years old. Just had, um, just had autos come out in 2020. Yeah, I think it was Bowman Chrome. So a kid like this, okay, you click on him. And overall, his stats, you know, aren't eye appealing from the, like, if you're looking at his season stats. So if you click on him, you know, let's say he's hitting 256. Uh, you know, OPS is 769. You know, not bad, not, not not amazing um 14 homers all that good stuff but if you break it down so let me pull this up here so when he and i love this kind of stuff if you look at his last 30 games so he, uh, with 122 at batch which is pretty solid uh like a good sample size he's hitting 320 with eight home runs and a uh, I don't have it slugging, but but like just just for and 12 stolen bases and two called stealing. So with 122 at bats, like he now he's catching fire. But in the beginning of the year, he struggled a lot. Like if I forget where I had the uh, the splits on him, because um, I like to look by month. And sometimes you can catch some pretty interesting. Okay, yeah. So like in June. With 87 at bats, he hit 303 with a 8 892 OPS, four home runs. July 89 at bats, he hit 300 with a 934 OPS with five home runs. And then August, he's in 286, you know, only eight at bats, so two games. Um, but who knows? Like if he finishes out the year, the first two months where he looked just horrible, like April, he hit 197 with a 618. OPS two homers in May he hit uh, with 93 at bats he hit 216 with a 622 uh, OPS with three homers you can you can catch catch some of these guys early on their value of their card prices so I just wanted to bring that up um, on different ways to search for some players because right now like the players that are doing really well and have the good stats people probably already know about them so you got to go a different avenue. And mm -hmm. shocker, he had a bat like a rough two first months in a, in Scranton where it's pretty cold at, you know, a hard place to hit. Um, you know, if you take a look at a lot of these minor leaguers playing in colder weather, that might happen to more than, you know, more than you would think. Um, but I have another player too that I think people should keep an eye on is Brian Rose, uh, Rochio. Uh, I Brian. feel like it's Rokio, but I always pronounce it Rokio. I don't actually know if it is that. Yeah, Rokio. Um, if you look up his stats, same thing. So in June, he started to figure it out, figuring it out a little bit more, and then in July, he exploded. Ninety-four at bats. He had he hit three fifty-four with over a thousand OPS, five homers, and thirteen ribbies. So taking that. I just wanted people. I just wanted to bring that up. I could go all day with different players, but I wanted to bring that up so there's a different avenue of people to for people to look at stats and find those hidden gems. I like it. I am going to give one word of caution though. Just one. Um, last year, Jesus Sanchez, September October, one thirty seven WRC plus, 
266 average, 340 on base, 564 slugging, 903 OPS, eight home runs in the month. <clears throat> Type of guy where it's like, all right, interesting month, interesting month. If he can take that forward, right? If he can carry that forward into this year, you know, all of a sudden eight home runs in a month, even if he doesn't do that every month, but he, he keeps that up. Could he be a 30 home run guy? For the Marlins, maybe, potentially, I'm interested. Um, and uh, now he is hitting 205 with a 271 on base and a 387 slugging. So, just a, just a reminder is that while you can find really good guys um, because, of, because of splits per month, which I 100% I agree with Jimbo, it's sometimes guys struggle early on for certain reasons, you can also deceive yourself into talking yourself into a guy maybe you didn't like because all of a sudden he has a good month at the end of the year and you say, oh, he's figuring it out. You know, Jesus Sanchez might be breaking out into a 30 home run bat. No, no, he is not. Uh, he is just not very good. So not being trying to be a Debbie Downer, just being a word of caution is that I do like Jimbo's method. I use it myself, but it can lead to some... Uh, Poor conclusions on occasion. So, all right. With Jesus Sanchez's bad taste in our mouth, we are going to move on to <coughs> me coughing. Um, we are going to move on to what we promised to talk about 15 minutes into the show, and that is the trade deadline. So if you've waded through the prospect muck with us to get over to the other side, which is the trade deadline. Welcome. I am pumped. I am pumped because the Padres themselves would have made this trade deadline interesting. Everything else that happened was interesting, but the Padres for sure made it the most interesting. I am going to quickly read through some deals um, before we talk about any of them. Um, if you're okay with that, Jimbo, I took a screenshot of like almost every deal and posted it to the story. So I've got them all here on my camera. There's some big ones. Austin Riley agreed to a 10 year, $212 million deal with the Braves. Obviously that was not a, <coughs> in relation to the trade deadline, but it was important. Nonetheless, kept him around, <coughs> sorry, oh, kept him around for the next 10 years. That's huge. Frankie Montas got traded from the. A's to the Yankees. Um, uh, Ken Waldachuk was the main piece there. I don't actually have the rest of the pieces. Trey Mancini went to Houston. Uh, Baltimore got Seth Johnson and Chase McDermott. And Tampa Bay got Jose Siri. So that's a nice deal. Um, Padres extended Joe Musgrove for $100 million. The big one, Padres acquired Josh Hader. Brewers acquired Taylor Rogers, Denelson Lamette. Robert Gasser and Asturio Ruiz. We will get into that in a little bit. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Brewers with, trade? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Astros acquired Red Sox catcher Christian Vasquez. A couple of plane tickets, bus tickets. All right. Uh, here, is, here is one. Brandon Marsh. Phillies acquired Brandon Marsh from the Angels for Logan O'Hoppy or O'Hope. Uh, Jimbo's boy there, catching prospect, double A, top 100 prospect. 
that's an interesting one that we definitely have to talk about. Um, Darren Ruff to the Mets for J.D. Davis, Nick Zwack, Carson Seymour, and Thomas Sapuki. We'll see. Surprising that there was a Darren Ruff four-for-one trade. That's all I'll say on that. David Robertson went from the Cubs to the Phillies. Ben Brown went to the Cubs. Uh, Joey Gallo to the Yankees. Clayton Beater to the or Joey Gallo to the Dodgers. Clayton Beater to the Yankees. Clayton Beater was formerly a top overall draft pick. Can't believe that that was what went for Joey Gallo, even if he doesn't have the best numbers. <coughs> Anthony Bass and Zach Pop from the Marlins to the Blue Jays for Jordan Groshans, former top. Uh, First overall pick for them in 2018, I believe. Um, oh, Tyler Mall, did I say this? Went to the Reds or from the Reds to the Twins in exchange for Spencer Steer, Christian Encarnacion, Strand, and Stephen Har. H A J J A R. Steel. You think that's a steal? For the Reds, yeah. To get all that for considering Dude, we got. Tyler Mall's a stud. Yeah, but that's a lot for the, for for considering what some of these. I don't know. I'm putting it in in relative terms to Michael Fulmer, right? So I do not think. To be fair, here is like Tyler Mall, dude. Easy and way down here. No, is Michael Fulmer. Easy. Tyler Mall's a really good pitcher. I've had to face him as a Brewers fan. For multiple years, that dude is underrated. Yeah. Um, Jorge Lopez from the Orioles to the Twins for Cade Povich, Yenner Cano, and uh, a couple more prospects. It doesn't have on this tweet. Interesting to me, Jorge Lopez, former second or second round pick by the Brewers, he got traded, I believe, in the Mike Mustakis deal. I can't remember. Um, I think it was the Mike Moustakis deal. <laughs> he ended up getting released by the Royals. Latches on with the Orioles. Has never been good in his entire career until this year. First year, he's been like a good, decent pitcher in the major leagues and uh, as a reliever, and he gets like four prospects. Um, oh, side note, Devin Williams devastated by the Josh Hader trade. Uh, I had that tweet in there or in the middle of it. Um, Luke Voigt got included into the Juan Soto trade that we haven't talked about yet. Brandon Drury from the Reds to the Padres for Victor Acosta. I love that deal. Brandon Drury having a good year, but it's his first good year in a while. And the Reds picked him up for a free agency deal or, or I don't know, picked him up for his last year of his deal. I don't remember Probably what free agent minor league. And uh, they Probably pick up that. Victor Acosta for him. Obviously power is a concern, but the uh, Reds now have with the Noel V. Marte and Edwin Arroyo trade for Luis Castillo, along with their own Ellie De La Cruz. The Reds have all the shortstop prospects. Dude, they are their minor leagues. They're going to be so dangerous offensively, every single level. It's incredible how much they just they basically just doubled their their pipeline. Yeah, it, bonkers, and I can't believe it was Victor Acosta. Um, and, and obviously they got Spencer Steer, who's like a second baseman, third baseman, plus those other pieces for Tyler Mall. <coughs> they have nothing left on their team except for Jonathan India and Joey Votto, but they've got a minor league system. That's for sure. 
The Mariners acquired Kurt Casale from San Francisco for Michael Streifeller. Not a big move the needle deal. Um, the Padres are trying to trade Will Myers. Didn't happen. Twins acquired Sandy Leone from the Guardians for Ian Hamilton. Not a big deal. Uh, Max Ferguson and Corey Rozier to the Red Sox with Eric Hosmer um, for Jay Groom. Jay Groom, obviously former uh, first round pick, so uh, we get, they got that going for him. Um, and Trevor Rosenthal traded from the Giants to the Brewers. Trevor Rosenthal was signed a couple weeks ago by the Giants, and they acquired a prospect for him. So shout out them. The Mariners are acquired Jake Lamb from the Angel or from the Dodgers for cash considerations. The Orioles can. Uh, traded for Brett Phillips for cash considerations. The Twins got Michael Fulmer from the Tigers. The Phillies traded Mickey Moniak and another prospect. I never found out who the other prospect was to the Angels for Noah Syndergaard. You assign Noah Syndergaard to a five-year deal, and then you instantly trade him away. Probably a pretty bad look for the Angels organization. Uh, the Blue Jays acquired right-hander Mitchell White from the Dodgers for minor league pitchers. Yankees traded Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals for Harrison Bader, which is an interesting trade. And the Royals traded Whit Merrifield to the Blue Jays for Samad Taylor, a 2022 Bowman Chrome guy, and Max Castillo. Um, and then the Braves got Rossiel Iglesias from the Angels for Tucker Davidson and Jesus San or Jesse Sanchez. Uh, Rossiel Iglesias just signed a contract extension this year. The Mets acquired... Uh, Right-handed pitcher Michael Givens from the Cubs in change for Saul Gonzalez. The Padres, they got rid of Taylor Rogers and they got rid of Brent Rooker, the two guys they got in that Chris Paddock deal. They sent Brent Rooker to the Royals for Cam Gallagher, the catcher. The Reds acquired Austin Romine from the Cardinals in change for cash. And the Cardinals acquired Austin Allen, a catcher from the Athletics for Carlos Guarate. Um... And those are all the moves I had, except for the big move, which we will go now back to real quick. And, of course, the biggest move of the deadline. Yes, uh, sir. Not, just, uh, <laughs> did you say Noah Syndergaard signed a five-year? Who? N Noah Syndergaard? Yeah, didn't he sign a five-year deal? No, nah, just a one-year. Oh, really? Oh, man, I'm in my, – in my mind – I felt like I remember Noah Syndergaard signing a five-year deal. All right, yeah. Never mind. Take that back, everyone. I did not fact. I did not fact check my own mind. Um, interesting. I feel like this entire time I thought he signed a huge deal. He did. Well, he did a one-year, twenty-one mil. Well, and he hasn't, and he hasn't pitched in like a year and a half before. before this yeah, year. that is that is a big deal. Okay. All right. Forgive everyone my ignorance. And then the biggest deal of the day, of course, the Juan Soto and Josh Bell package. Mackenzie Gore, who was the like third overall prospect a year ago. Robert Hassel III, who's like a top 25 guy. C.J. Abrams, who was a top 10 guy going into this season. James Wood, who's a top 100 guy. Jarlene Susanna, who is an interesting guy. I, haven't, I looked at his stats very briefly. Um, and then Luke Voigt. Insane deal. Luke Voigt, also <clears throat> nothing to sneeze at. He led the majors in home runs in the sh in the COVID shortened season. Yeah. So, 
an absolutely massive deal. But those are, there's probably a couple deals in there that did not get talked about that may have gotten uh, missed. Um, I tried not to, but I may have missed a deal or two. So that might not have been all of them, but that was pretty close to all of them. That was a lot. Now, the question is, which one should we dive into? Oh, and this Jordan Susanna kid, he's in rookie ball right now with the pod with in the Padres or was in the Padres system, a 2.45 ERA in 29 innings with 44 strikeouts, 11 walks, 15 hits. He had a .886 whip, 4.6 hits per nine, .3 home run per nine. 3.4 3.4 walk per nine, 13.5 strikeouts. So, like, there's talent there um, as the last guy on the list. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could talk about that, that Juan Soto trade if you want to go deep in because I have a lot of thoughts on that. But we, you can pick, pick any trade you want. I'm down. All right. I'm going to get my venting out of the way instantaneously. So, let's cover the Josh Hader trade um, so I can get my venting out of the way. We good with that? Go for it. All right. So the Josh Hader trade. Again, I will repeat it. Josh Hader to the Padres, Brewers, Taylor Rogers, Nelson Lamette, Robert Gasser, and Estuary Ruiz. <sighs> the Brewers have lost two games in a row after the Josh Hader trade. And they the Pirates just tied it up 3-3 in the sixth inning today. Um so uh, we might be on our way to lose three of three against the Pirates after the Josh Hader trade, despite the fact that the Pirates before the trade deadline had lost seven in a row. Um, that's a tough scene. Devin Williams, devastated by the Josh Hader trade, gives up a walk-off home run yesterday in his first appearance. I understand where the Brewers are coming from. If you are a team that doesn't have $150 million in payroll, $200 million in payroll. There's literally no chance you pay Josh Hader 15 to $17 million last year in arbitration. And there's no chance that you pay him as a free agent, the $20 million a year that's going to cost over five years. He might be the first or the second, depending on what Edwin Diaz gets to be a $20 million plus a year relief. The Brewers cannot afford to wrap up one-fifth or one-sixth of their payroll. One-sixth is being very generous there uh, on a reliever. Just can't do it. So he was gone. He was gone no matter what. He was gone this next upcoming offseason. From the Brewers' standpoint, how do you stay competitive year in and year out? You have to make sure you move guys when they have value for other guys so that you can keep this circle going and that you can keep having quality major leaguers and that you don't have to rebuild because you don't want to be stuck in what the in what the Tigers are stuck in right now. You know, <clears throat> it's not fun. And the Tigers have money. You know, if they wanted to, they'd have money to get out of it. But they've got a big amount of money sent, spent to um, Miguel Cabrera and guys like that. And it's just not worth it right now to be spending a ton of money. But once they get their prospects up, I'm sure they will be spending. And I'm sure they will be out of the muck and mire pretty soon. So the Brewers can't spend to get out their way out nor do they want to, nor are they capable of it. So you have to trade. And obviously they got a couple pieces. Robert Gasser's a nice second over round pick last year. He's got some talent. The Brewers can do a lot with talented pitchers, so I expect big things from him. 
Esther Ruiz also having a great year this year. Ready for the majors was amazing. Depending on who you talk to, if you're a pop-up prospect, it's he got lucky. We traded him away on um, pure luck that we got something for him. This is sweet. Or if you're the team acquiring, it's, hey, this guy was maybe a little undervalued compared to what he's doing. Uh, we can get even better. The Brewers have a glaring need in center field right now. Um, now, that might not be a glaring need in a year when potentially Jackson Trurio is ready because he's probably already ready for double A. Uh, as we speak, and he's 18 years old, just turned 18 in March. So it's like, you know, it, that might not be a center field hole for long, but up until that point, we need a guy, and Esther Ruiz is ready. So it's like you get a pitcher you can use, you get a reliever you can use, or a, a center fielder that you need. You get Taylor Rogers back in the deal, and the Brewers have shown that they can fix guys. So if you can fix – most people, you can probably fix Taylor Rogers and turn him back into your your star a star closer again. And if you turn him back into that, then you can move Devin Williams, who's underutilized in the eighth inning. Um, you can move him to the ninth because he should be a closer. He had 30 straight innings of scoreless baseball. You move him, and you put Taylor Rogers into the less stressful eighth inning. You probably don't miss a beat with that pair compared to Josh Hader and Devin Williams. You probably don't miss a beat as long as you can fix, fix Rodgers. So for the rest of this year, it's probably no different. But Taylor Rodgers is a free agent at this year, and you are going to have Josh Hader next year. Or you are going to get prospects for Josh Hader to slot in next year. You know, So then next year is still different. And um, that's where, like in my mind, Denelson Lamette came in. Hey, if we can fix him. We have a year left of him after this point. You can put him into some lesser roles this year, and then you have him, and you fix him, and all of a sudden this is a dude who plays fourth in Cy Young in 2020. He's got amazing stuff. He just can't stay healthy to be able to pitch as a starting pitcher, so you turn him into a beast reliever for a year, and you still don't miss a beat if it works. Until yesterday when they DFA'd him. The reasoning behind it was... He was the last guy on the list. We had acquired Matt Bush, <coughs> so we needed room. We DFA'd him. Not to mention that we had Jake McGee that we just picked up after a team released him. I would have rather the release Jake McGee and kept Nelson Lamette, but no, we, D we DFA'd Nelson Lamette. Now, will he get claimed? I don't know. He's got $1.6 left on this deal, and um, there's potential he doesn't get claimed. Nobody wants to pay that money for a guy who's not doing very well this year. But therein lies the other problem, is that if nobody wants to acquire that guy for free, that means he had no value in the trade. And in fact, we probably had to take him back to balance out the value, which means Josh Hader, not only was he not worth as much as we thought, being just Esther Ruiz, Robert Gasser, and Taylor Rogers, but he was probably worth less than that because we had to take on a contract that if doesn't get claimed nobody else wanted and that's the part that sucks is where it's like you thought you had a huge trade chip in josh Hader. you get through the trade deadline you see this deal and as a brewers fan it's like a slap in the face it's like hey you may have been wrong this entire time josh Hader just might not have been that valuable so it's a struggle if he wasn't that valuable, I, I feel like I'd have rather kept him and, and run out this year because of the optics to the team. 
But um, I, I I don't know. It's tough to know what he'd have been worth for one year. Could we still have gotten Robert Gasser and Esther Ruiz? I'll never know. I'll never yeah. know. I, I look at the Brewers where they, you know, they uh, – I think it, it's a play for this year even because, I mean, you look at a Ruiz. His, his floor is a defensive – you know, center fielder that can steal your bases. Like if you're talking in the playoffs and you got to, you know, let's say, you know, you got a guy, guy on first, you know, bottom of the seventh or whatever, you're down by one, you put Ruiz, he, he probably will steal you a bag or two. Yeah. So that's he has the 60 floor. stolen bases in the minors this year. Yeah. Like if we're talking the floor for a kid like that, then you got a kid, a guy, a bullpen guy that, you know, Peter is phenomenal. But there was something uh, – I was reading something like his – he struggled within the last, I don't know, month or so, which take it for a grain of salt. But if they're thinking, you know, long-term, hey, you know, we're going to have – we're not going to be able to – you know, we're going to have to pay him in arbitration next year, probably 15 mil, and there's no way we're going to resign him. Hey, right now it might be at the top of his, his value. Let's go get someone that could be similar to him because we already have someone to replace him, Devin Williams, without skipping a beat. And they have the depth in that. And then they also replenish, you know, with the gasser uh, down, you know, a potential guy for the future. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I could go both ways with, but that's, you know, when we're talking about value wise, that's why, you know, when, when I said it's an absolute steal for Tyler uh, Mal, because I'm not saying like, I don't like Tyler Mal, but I'm just saying like what they got for him in some of these other reliever deals, like I was like, I really like that package that they got. So that, that was more going back to that, like the relievers, this was, the, I think there was a surplus of relievers this year that they just didn't have the value. Like we're used to. For yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, we got, we got uh, Matt Bush for Antoine Kelly who has talent, but it's probably going to be a reliever himself. And uh, we get two more years of him. <coughs> so, I don't know. It's just Tyler Mall. Um, oh, what am I trying to look up? Baseball savant? Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, Tyler Mall, obviously a good starter. Stats this year, not as impressive as last year. But if you look up his – I heard a rumor. If you look up his um, – baseball savant page and look at his his all his sliders you'll see a lot of red so i'm pulling it up right now and we'll see if i see it yeah uh so he's in the 76th percentile of expected era 84th percentile and expected batting average 79th percentile and expected slugging um expected weighted on base average 76th percentile 70th percentile and k rate 63rd percentile and barrel rate 67 percentile on whiff rate like he's doing he's doing pretty good um he's pretty good uh starting pitcher so i i get i get the i get the trade package i get the trade package there it's just it's it's brutal it's brutal when you have a josh hater on your team and you're like yeah we're gonna eventually trade him we're gonna eventually get some prospects for him in years past you would have thought to yourself guaranteed at least one top 100 prospect and probably one pretty close. You know, for a Josh Hader type? Guaranteed. I know, oh, I, I know the pain. Because if we look back, Tigers, J.D. Martinez, Nick Cassianos, Verlander, like we got nothing for any, for all those guys. So trust me, I know the pain. It, it is tough. 
you know, you, yeah. you have this value tag on them thinking, oh, at least we can trade them and get, you know, rebuild and get some nice pieces. And then when you do it, you're left with no prospects plus, you know, your guy that you were excited to watch is gone too. So it's like, a, it's just like a, yeah. But I like that Ruiz kid. It's sneaky. But, no, Ruiz, uh, look, 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 look. Ruiz and Gasser have a lot of talent. And at least for Gasser, um, from like Ruiz already in AAA, not going to be a top 100 prospect. Gasser, on the other hand, <coughs> 90 innings this year, 115 strikeouts. Limits walks pretty well. Um, hasn't been limiting the hits as well. 8.6 hits per nine. If they can just tweak him to to dodge a couple more bats with the amount of strikeouts he's getting, 11.5, that, that's a good arm. That's a good arm that the Brewers can do a lot of damage with. Like, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be shocked if Robert Gasser wakes up one day and is a in fact a top hundred prospect. Yeah. Um. I could I could see that I could see that happening. I could also just see him going like an Eric Lauer route of not being a top hundred prospect, getting to the majors, and being like a three six three seven ERA guy. You know, those guys are super 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 valuable. Um. And there's a ton of value in that. And you know, we could look up and say we got our starting center fielder and our fourth starter for Josh Hader. That's huge value. You know, I, I mean, look in, up. A, in a solid arm in the bullpen. I mean, Rogers was isn't he second in saves nationally? Yeah, it's deceptive though. Uh, he has been really bad the last month. Oh. Yeah. Who knows? Um, put him in a but, brewer. Put him in the, the pitching. The Brewers pitching coaches or whatever whoever they got down there. Watch, they'll figure him out like that. I I do I do expect that, which is why I'm not overly disappointed by it it's just it's just when you are a fan of a team and you think you have a premium trade chip just to find out you don't have a premium trade chip slap in the face yeah yeah all right should we talk about the deal we've all been waiting for the soto oh man dude i honestly can't believe it happened i it dude you know what? I, I'm just going to say, you know how much this reminds me of the Miguel Cabrera trade back in the day? Miguel Cabrera with the Marlins came up, won a World Series, super young, um, like at 19, or for, I forget, or I think he was 20 years old, um, and, you know, became the face of the, the franchise there for, you know, short-lived, but knowing when, when the contract came up that they weren't able to pay him, so then they trade him to the team that's, you know, on the up and up that can pay him all that money and trade him for some top, you know, top of the line prospects. And, you know, we saw what Miggy could do, you know, we saw what Miggy did in his career, but Juan Soto is in shape. Miggy got out of shape. Like he gained, you know, he, he blew up to, to where he is now, uh, body wise, but Juan Soto, he's the complete opposite. He, he, I just, I just feel like in 10 years, we're going to look back and be like, Right now, it's a lot. Like, oh man, you got to trade away some great prospects, and you're going to have to pay them. But there's very few times where I'm like, you know, sometimes you have to do it, and this is one of them. I feel like with with a Juan Soto, you just don't you just don't get someone like this very often. No the 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 opportunity the opportunity to acquire a Juan Soto is very few and far between. Very few and far between. The opportunity to acquire a Robert Hassel, C.J. Abrams, James Wood, 
Jarlin Susanna, Mackenzie Gore, or Luke Voigt. Happens quite a bit. <clears throat> and so I, I, I completely agree with you. But, of course, it has to be a team that can resign him. Um, you give up these players, you have to be able to resign them. You can't give up your future for two years um, if you can't resign him. And so the Padres did the right thing, given that they resigned him. If the Brewers made this trade and gave up this prospect talent, which they don't have, uh, they would have to give up Jackson Churio. And I've seen some things. I read a tweet yesterday from a guy who I like who said he was talking to a scout that he trusts more than anybody in baseball for player evaluation. And that scout said that Jackson Churio is his number one prospect in baseball right now. How did how did you bring up get this in? Wait, wait, so wait, wait. Wait, hear, me out. Check. hear me out. Oh, hear me out. 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 <laughs> hear me out. So yes, I was setting the stage. I was setting the stage, showing you guys how good he was to show you that that is what it would have cost to pick up Juan Soto. It would have been Jackson Churio plus other pieces. And if you're the Brewers and you can't resign Juan Soto, you don't give up six years of Jackson Churio for two and a half years or, you know, six and a half years. If we finagle with the service time, uh, you don't give up six and a half years of Jackson Churio for two and a half years of Juan Soto. And you don't give up the extra pieces too. no matter how good Juan Soto is. You just can't do that. And so um, I'm not, I'm not like, I love this trade for the Padres. I hate the trade, but understand it for the Nationals. If you can't resign them, if it's going to cost too much, uh, then okay, get something for him. And if he doesn't want to be there, get something for him. And you can do a lot worse than potentially having two of your starting outfielders, your starting shortstop, and two potentially two starting uh, pitchers. Moving forward, you can do a lot yeah. worse. And, and honestly, I think they chose the best package. If I if I were the the Nationals, it would have been Padres, and then probably the Dodgers next. I like do the Dodgers have crazy depth in their uh, pipeline right now as well. But I really like what the the package they got from the Padres because Hassel, uh, James Wood, and C.J. Abrams all have that ceiling to be that all-star caliber, you know, you know, that next, that next wave of trying to replace Juan Soto Harper. Well, let's, uh, let's cover some and, stats here real quick. Set the table for people to know. So um, James Wood, 19 years old, eight ball, 50 games, 337 average, 453 on base, 601 slugging, 19 doubles, a triple 10 home runs. And what is and his WRC plus? Because his WRC plus is crazy, if I remember right. I don't yeah, have on. that. I'd have to look it up on Fangraphs. You want to look that up on Fangraphs? And oh yeah, James Wood six seven. Okay, so potential yeah. there. C.J. Abrams, right? C.J. Abrams this year um, has not had a ton of playing time in the majors, and a six oh five OPS. He's been mismanaged. He should not have been called up from Double A straight to the MLB. Uh, that was poor execution on the Padres standpoint. Um, I didn't love it, but in AAA this year, he's hitting 314 with 364 on base and a 507 slugging, 871 OPS. <clears throat> Just give him a little bit more time to season in AAA. I think he'll be fine 
going forward in the majors. Um, and that could be your starting shortstop of the future. So he's doing really well. Mackenzie Gore, he has been injured quite a bit the last couple of years and a little bit ineffective. But in AAA this year, five innings gave up no runs. And then in uh, the majors this year, in 70 innings, he has a 450 ERA um, in 70 innings, 72 strikeouts. Like, honestly, if he just sticks at that, all right, you have your fifth starter um, with some upside. Cool. If you can fix them, even better. And then Robert Hassel the third. Yes, sir. So going back to James Wood, he has a his WRC plus and I is one seventy one. Wow. Yeah, that's really good. Goodness gracious. Yeah. So that's a nineteen year old six seven who has like superstar upside. Um, Mackenzie Gore not as much upside. C.J. Abrams, I don't know if I would say he has superstar upside, but he probably has like four or five win above replacement everyday all-star shortstop upside. He he has the upside. It's just he was, like you said, mismanaged. He should have never been in the majors. If Tontis would, uh, never got hurt, C.J. Abrams still would have been a top – like he probably would have been the top prospect overall or the top three guy. Yep. His, his ceiling is crazy high. He's just – he just mismanaged. That's it. Well, He's I also don't. I also don't. It's the power potential for me from C.J. Abrams that I am always hesitant on. I don't think he gets to the twenty-five home runs a year. Trey Turner. That's true. That's true. Thank you. Trey Turner can get there. Anybody can get there. Yeah, like Trey uh, C.J. Abrams. He, dude, he can steal some bags too, and he's got the frame. He's a pretty big kid, bigger than you would like, than his cards look like. I think he's like over six foot or something. Yeah, he's he's six two. Yeah. I don't know. I just so, I just <clears throat> I you know before spring training he really hadn't shown any power, and uh, he's showing some power in AAA. But we're talking about the Pacific Coast League, so you got to take a huge grain of salt there. Um, very true. I just I have to see it before I believe it. I guess, but he is also yeah. only twenty one. Um, yeah. we talked about Mackenzie Gore. What's up? I'm thinking more of ceilings, but yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I'll let you know. I, I, well, here, here, here's where I'm at. Defensively, I believe in C.J. Abrams. Speed-wise, I believe in C.J. Abrams. Um, putting barrel, a bat on the ball, I believe in C.J. Abrams. But uh, taking walks and hitting for power, you know, that I, I need that. To, if he wants to be a superstar, I need those to progress pretty significantly. Um, as it stands, though, as it stands, if he gets enough at bats, I think he'll slap a lot of hits all over the place, play good defense, steal bases, and be a three, four, five win player. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that's really good. I would love to have that on my team. Me too. Um, next up is Robert Hassel the third, and of course, he plays outfield. We'll see where he ends up slotting. But he um, has played center field this year for 63 games. Uh, we'll see if he slots in center field going forward. But Robert Hassel hitting <coughs> in high A this year, 299 with 379 on base, 467 slugging, 846 OPS with 19 doubles, a triple, and 10 home runs. Dude, he has zero holes in his game right now. If he just keeps progressing and getting at bats, this kid, like there's. The only thing, the only red flag I have is it just, just if he can be consistent because there's nothing that, that I can see 
this kid, I'm so I I don't know. I really I think we talked about him at the national. You and I, we did. Um, Somebody walked up to our booth with uh and donated a Robert Hassel Bowman Chrome Refractor 499 BGS 95 Auto to Camp Kesem. Oh wow! Yeah, that's it was awesome. In the fact that he put up those numbers in Midwest in the Midwest League too just gets me more excited too because like hitting 299 10 homers like that's nothing to sneeze at um his wrc plus is 133 which is really good i know it, you got james wood with the 171 but that's just a freak like that just doesn't happen a 131 or 133 is very solid so i'm excited for that too uh 133 if i had every player hitting 133 wrc plus i'd win a world series every year <laughs> So, um, speaking of really good, uh, speaking of really good WRC pluses in Midwest League, uh, 138 WRC plus for a little guy named Jackson Churio. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you die. <laughs> I'm going to start a drinking game. I'm going to like have a turn on the podcast every time Brewers. Uh, well, okay. Here's here's the thing. In in all seriousness, in all seriousness, partially I do it just for you, because you're like this guy manages to get a Brewers into every conversation, which I do. Uh, but I do it for you. Secondly, I do it for Jackson Churio because, excuse my enthusiasm, but in my lifetime, the highest a Brewers prospect has ever ranked was sixth. That was Keston Hira and Orlando Arcia. Of any publication. And we know how those two guys have gone. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Braun topped out at like 15. Prince Fielder topped out at 11. Ricky Weeks, I think, topped out at 9. They were all good, obviously. The fact that after 27 years of life, the Brewers might actually have a number one prospect in baseball. I'm really going to live this up. Dude, you're you're living the the how I was living with Riley Green. You know, we had Torque, but I never really fully believed in Torque, like, the entire time. But I was the same way with Riley Green because a kid out of high school, uh, you know, young, young, young kid, so you can really watch him progress, not just a drafted out of college. He's in the minor leagues for a year and a half and gets called up. Like, the full progression. Yep. It's honestly so much fun. It's so good. But, anyways, I digress. Uh, mostly jokes, yeah. but I do love Jackson Churio. Um, to the last guy in the deal jarlin susanna and we brought him up earlier 2.45 era in 29 innings with <coughs> 44 strikeouts in those 29 innings in rookie ball um i mean if this is your lottery ticket in the trade that's a pretty good lottery ticket and uh the last piece before before i forget the last piece of the entire deal was luke voigt and again has he been as good as he was in 2020 when he hit 22 home runs in 56 games no no he is not but 13 home runs in 82 games um essentially half a season like if the nationals are getting a 25 home run to 30 home run bat to stick in their lineup to keep people maybe interested at least into coming to games all right so another thing i wanted to bring up is don't sleep on the, the Padres getting Josh Bell in this deal too. Josh Bell is a great left-handed hitter who's who's been doing great this year. Um, 
but the Padres, man, I was watching them last night because I was so pumped to watch it, like look at watch this lineup. So you have Profar leading off, you know, nothing, just an average type guy. But then you have like if Tatis comes back, uh oh, you look uh, you look distraught. Brian Reynolds scores on a wild pitch in the bottom of the tenth. Brewers beat Pirates beat Brewers five to four. That's tough. Brian Reynolds shouldn't even be on that team still, but um, no, we yeah, should not. Um, but yeah, going back to so you have Profar leading off when Tatis is healthy, you slide him in, but then you have Soto, left-handed hitter. Um, you know he's gonna he's gonna work the pitcher, and then you have Manny Machado, who's having a career year, which is saying a lot because he's been a solid MLB hitter since he's got called up back in I don't know 2011 or something crazy like that. Then you have Josh Bell, another left-handed hitter. So you go lefty, righty, lefty. Then you have Cronenworth, or yeah, Cronenworth, I think is next. And then you have uh no, no, I think it's Drury, then Cronenworth. Well, whatever it is. You have Cronin uh Drury like destroys left-handed hitters. And then you have Big Cronenworth, who's just a solid hitter overall. And then the guys behind it, like if you're a pitcher. And they were talking about this. The Padres broadcast was like, uh, I forget who was, who's their one of the guys, but he used to, you know, he was a pitcher in the MLB and they were talking about like him navigating through that lineup. And he was like, man, I couldn't even imagine starting with Profar, th- knowing that you have Soto next. And then, uh, you know, like basically going one by one through the lineup, like mentally it messes you up. So then Profar is probably going to start doing a little better because people are going to like, you're going to have to, like, if you don't get him out, oh gosh, you're in, you're in a very dangerous area. Um, and then even later in the, the game, trying, trying to plan ahead with bullpen, you know, with lefty righty matchups and you have a lefty righty, lefty righty in your lineup. Good luck. Yeah. Good Especially luck. now that they have to pitch um, minimum three batters. Good luck. Good luck. There's, the Padres are going to be favored no matter who you bring out, because even if, okay, you, even if you're favored on one batter, the next batter, you're not like you're horribly favored or not favored. Uh, Dude, I want the people that are, sorry, one last thing. People that are listening, watch the Padres, watch it. I know I bring up the, you know, protection of life, like actually watch the games and, and see it. You can see it and the, the announcers will probably talk about it. And you, I'm telling you, it's just different. The the fact that Soto is 23 and Fernando Tatis is 23 and they are in the same lineup and they both finished top three in MVP last year is almost hard to comprehend. And I cannot wait till Tatis is healthy. Once he's healthy and Soto's healthy and they are back-to-back 2-3, Soto might score 200 runs in a season. Very possible. Dude, this lineup, I'm t- I, it is. And then you got Hader in the bullpen plus some other good arms. And, dude, I still, you know, the Dodgers are very solid, but the Padres, I mean, they're t- Padres are 12 games back. Um, also, this is going to be an interesting. Don't forget that. While it doesn't matter as much in baseball, Juan Soto's been there before. He's won a championship, and he knows what to do. Absolutely. He knows what it takes. A thousand percent. 
I mean, yeah, Miguel it, Vargas got called up for the Dodgers. Yeah, shout out. Did you sell that purple? No. Uh, Good. I'm just trying to keep it because he's fun to watch. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Soto deal, incredible, incredible deal for the Padres. Obviously, you're getting Juan Soto. So everyone, nobody needs an explanation there. Uh, it's Juan Soto. Um. Stinks. It absolutely stinks for Nationals fans. You had Bryce Harper. You had Max Scherzer. You had Trey Turner. You had Juan Soto. You had Anthony Rendon. You have none of them within the span of like four years. And you signed Steven Strasburg. And you signed Steven Strasburg, who is now attached to the largest negative value contract in baseball. I saw that the other day. Um. So just brutal, brutal time to be a Padres fan. What you can do, though, is brutal, you can dream. Brutal to be a Nationals fan, not a Padres fan. You said Padres. Did I say Padres? Oh, my bad. Really great time to be a Padres fan. Brutal time to be a Nationals fan. But what I would do if I was a Nationals fan is I would tune into every one of James Wood's minor league games because that's the upside here. C.J. Abrams has upside. Robert Hassel has upside. Mackenzie Gore has upside. But those guys aren't 6'7", 240-pound dudes that are playing baseball. And uh, <clears throat> I would just sit there, and whatever the other guys do is what the other guys do. I do expect them to be good. I don't know what their ceilings are going to be. But Robert ha- or James Wood has that superstar upside that people search for, that people want to glob, glob onto. And uh, if I'm a Nationals fan, that's the one guy I'm keying in on this deal. And I'm saying, look, this is my hope now. This is my future, James Wood. Yeah. And uh, the Nationals actually have a pretty solid pipeline. Like they got some, they, they've been developing uh, some young talent pretty well, like a Jeremy De La Rosa. Look at his stats. Solid. Well, okay. some of the... now here's the thing they have had a decent pipeline, though. Remember Carter Kaiboom? Guys like that, yeah. that, you know, it's like they've had decent prospects that always are like here to take the place of other guys. They've done that for a while. Victor Robles, Carter Kaibum, like, um, Soto, Bryce Harper, Anthony yeah, Rendon. No, I I get it, I get it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. It's not like it's just a sudden yeah. instant thing where they're good at developing. They know, but good. I'm just saying, add the players they just the prospects they got to that to the mix. It's like adding bacon to any meal. Fair, fair. Um, Okay, so real quick, I was just kind of curious price-wise. And um, I'm looking up, let's see, James Wood, Bowman Chrome Auto. Um, After the deal, August 3rd, $125. Let's see if we can find one before. August 2nd, $166. That was probably during the deal. A base yeah, auto definitely. August first, one hundred fifteen. So his market really has not moved. July thirty first, one hundred fifteen. Um, with the trade, uh, it neither has gone up or really gone down. Which I would hold off. I'm I'm curious to see what is going to happen there because obviously the Padres are like one of the prospect darlings of the world, and um. And moving away from their farm system to almost any other farm system, in my mind, is probably a downgrade. So I'm curious to see what happens with these prospect autos that went to the Nationals. 
Um, but it's much too early to be able to tell. Yeah. Um, question for you, Nate. Yeah. Padres or really like, if okay, if you're looking at this deal, is there any other player in baseball that you would give up that package, the same circumstances of like, okay, trade the prospects. Plus you got to sign them to a Soto deal. Is there anyone else in baseball like an Acuna, uh, Luis Robert, like any of those guys, anyone that you would, would do that for, or is it Soto? Well, you know, it's tough. Cause like Acuna, he's signed to that. It's absurd friend, team friendly deal. So like he would cost throw, even throw all, that out. throw all that out. I'm just saying like, okay. Like just like plug and play. Like if you had it, if you had the same deal, is there any other player? Knowing what I know now, uh, I mean, Otani. You would? Even for, but for 30, let's say, you know, 30 something years old or how old is he? 29, 28, 29. He'll be like 30 next year, I believe. Um, yeah. or, um, so would you do that for that? I, yeah, I, I, I would, I would. And let me tell you why. Um, he's actually, he's 28. He just turned 28. So he'll be 29 next year. He'll be a 30 year old when he's a free agent. Um, and, and yeah, I would give Otani all that money. I don't care. Look, I don't care if the last like three years are complete just throwing money down the toilet. The surplus value you get in the first couple years of having a guy who maybe he's not a 950 OPS guy, but if he is an 850 OPS guy and he is coming into his own as one of the best starting pitchers in baseball, he used to be like top 15. He's now probably pretty firmly top 10. Um, if not even a little bit better than that, and you're getting you're getting a top fifteen or a top ten pitcher, let's say top seven, along with being a top twenty bat, eight fifty, eight sixty, eight seventy OPS in one package, and then you have to say to yourself, all right, this guy's one package, so it's kind of like we have a twenty seven man roster instead of twenty six. So what value are we yeah, getting out of that twenty seventh man that you're adding to his value? because that's the value he gives you by being an extra hitter um, is that you now can like be like, Hey, I don't need to use an extra roster spot on this position because Otani can cover it DH or whatever. Um, and so like, that's an extra, that's not, not only does he have that, but he, he gives you extra value. Um, and so like, yeah, I would easily, I would easily pay for ages 30 through 34 and if one of them falls off, just have him focus on the other one full time for a couple of years. And then if he falls off completely by the time he's in his late 30s, I'll probably have made so much extra surplus value off his early 30s that I won't care. OK. Anyone else? Any other player like a Tatis? Like, a, I don't know. Uh, um, I, Acuna and Tatis are too injured for me to want to be able to give up that deal. I mean, obviously, Acuna would take more than this deal to be acquired from the Braves because of the deal he signed. Yeah. Yeah. Throw um, all that out. So, so so like, you know, that that's the weird one, but like I don't think there's a single other person. Maybe if Julio Rodriguez keeps progressing the way he is right now, if we look up in 2 years and he's been he keeps progressing forward, then maybe Julio, but yeah. nobody else. And that and that's years down the line and that's, you know, he needs to keep doing what he's been doing. Yeah. Because the way I look at it, like Juan Soto is 23 years old. 
even if you sign him to a 10-year extension today, like you, you're getting him through his entire prime. Like this is this is why it just reminds me of Miggy so much because you know how like oh like the back half like you're not you know you're gonna overpay you're not gonna get for what you what you pay for. Yeah. With with the Soto, if you give him ten years, you're gonna get the value for all ten years. Now, do you likely. think? Do you think that they'll have to go farther? I mean, like like I don't know. Soto it, knowing Soto knowing that. He becomes a free agent in two years, so assume that you know, age after his age twenty, he's just turned twenty five. He becomes a free agent, or just before after he turned twenty six, he becomes a free agent. He gets ten years through his age thirty five season, um, but Soto would know that, so he'd make you have to pay a spent they do like a fourteen year extension. I'd feel like. But, but here's the thing, though. I don't think he's going to wait till free. I think they're going to do something sooner because he he's going to want. He's going to want that 30, 40, whatever million dollar during the next two years instead of going through arbitration because Fair. that's how you get it to even out because you eat those arbitration rather than paying 17, 20 mil, you give them the 30, 40 and it all like, that's how you get to those, like a Tatis, a Wander. That's how they can make those deals. And honestly, uh, if Wander gets a 10 year and let's say he becomes a free agent again in, uh, at age 33, he might want that. He might not want 15 because if he is still, that's still 33 is still a, a year, like an age where if he does what we think he's going to do, he could get a big contract uh, five year. And who knows what the market will be in 10 years. Like if you look at the True. 10 years ago, today, the numbers that like we thought were like, Holy smokes, well, which, well we then were. if I was, if I was Soto and I'm taking that approach then I'm not taking 10 years, I'll take five years become a free agent at 29 in those five years, I'll take $200 million and uh, I'll become a free agent at 29 and then sign like a 10 year deal for 45 million a year, 50. Yeah, but that's less likely. No one's going to a 10 year when you're 20, 29, you said if you do the five year, if Juan Soto is as good as Juan Soto looks and Juan Soto's, um, skills generally age well see Joey Votto uh I think I think that somebody would give him a massive deal at the age of 29 would you get so how old is judge he's what 20 he's gonna be 30 by the time he hits free agency I believe he's 29 so like, now would you give would you give a guy like judge 10 years well I right wouldn't now? give judge 10 years because he's already injury prone before this point okay but if you want – so here's the thing. If you're a team with a ton of money and you want a player, say you want Juan Soto and you want him because you know he's going to stay really good through his age 29, 30, 31, 32, and probably like 33 seasons and then taper off a little bit, but because of how good his eye is at the plate, you're probably guaranteeing yourself an outfielder that will get on base even if he's not hitting for power into his late 30s. Um, I think you – overpay for the last later half and just know you're going to get a guy on base and then take the discount on the first half, knowing that if you were paying for his age 29 to 32 season, you'd probably have to pay him like $75 million to be worth what he's worth, but you're only paying 45. You're saving 30 million a year up front. And then it's like, you're almost only paying him 10, 15 million in the back half. Yeah. Your dollar costs average it. And yeah, for sure. Dude, when are we going to see a hundred, hundred mil a year 
contract. Oh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a long while. I do, thought do Juan think- Soto might be the first fifty million a year guy, and I no longer think that after the Nationals' twenty nine million a year deal offer. So, um, I think I think, I think we've it- got a bit to go until we see the first fifty million dollar guy. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll be. Uh, uh, like maybe Corbin Burns would take a shortened deal. I thought maybe, you were going to say, I thought you were going to say Jackson Cheerio. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe Jacob DeGrom, somebody like that. I could see becoming the first $50 million guy, <laughs> True. but so question for you, do you think the person that, that will get the first hundred million dollar a year contract is born right now? No, I do not. Okay. I mean, think about it. We just passed forty million for Scherzer, right? And that was on a very short three-year deal. Um, do I think that maybe, just maybe, if somebody like Prime Mike Trout became a free agent and wanted to sign a one-year deal, like think ten win above replacement Mike Trout, if he became a free agent and only wanted a one-year deal, I think maybe a massive team like the Dodgers would be like, we'll give you 70 million a year. I don't think it'd be a hundred, but I could see like something like that happening. Or if Juan Soto wanted to get to free agency and wanted to take one year deals. Yeah. I could see some massive one year deals where teams are paying absurd amounts to guarantee themselves without having to give future dollars to them. One year of the best player in the world. Yeah. Like a Kirk cousins for football, kind of like how he did it for those years. Yeah, whatever. All guaranteed money, just add on another year, like every year. Yeah, Uh, I could see that happening. Like if somebody really wanted to bet on themselves, and a team like the Dodgers just was like a hundred extra million this year. Who cares if we guarantee ourselves the best player in baseball? Um, I could see that happening, but I still think it would be a lot to get to that hundred million dollar level. Like we'd probably have to fast forward fifteen years. Yeah, maybe maybe. But it's an some... interesting thought. Yeah, isn't it? It's fun. I love thinking. It's like, I don't know. Like, if you know, let's say a six-month-year-old kid right now. You know, if they would say, in twenty, you know, in twenty-two years, and they're in their prime, they're the next Soto. That's twenty-two years from now. Yeah, and we've seen what money, how money jumped up. I guess they could be born right now because we saw how much money jumped up in the last twenty-two years. From the year 2000, where the Brewers are probably running a $30 million payroll to now, where they're still one of the poorer teams and running a $110 million payroll, right? Um, Alex, remember the Alex Rodriguez deal? How big of a deal that was? Yeah. And and now Austin Riley signing a 10-year $212 million deal, and it's barely even registering with anybody? See? that's, That's why I asked that question. Yep. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I guess I, I switched my tune. I do think that maybe that person could be born right now, but I mean, that's, that's almost hard to comprehend that if somebody could earn that much in one year, like inflation would have to be so bad <laughs> that a hundred million I mean, would have to be worth like 35 million today or something. I mean, it's just crazy that a guy like someone can make 30 million a year yet alone 40 like that's nuts if you put it in 
I'm not saying they don't deserve. I'm just saying like that's just crazy it's, that sports are, of, it can get a ton of money. I know what I make, and it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of thirty million a year, <laughs> and I live very comfortably. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, hey, there's two more trades I want to talk about, and we will not go very long on these. Okay. I just want to bring them up real quick. Uh, one was Brandon Marsh for Logan. Um, oh, Hoppy. Uh, I know, I know Logan is your guy. Um, you brought him up to me before the season. This is just such an interesting, interesting, uh, trade to me because like Brandon Marsh, 24 year old center fielder, who is a very good defensive center fielder, but he's hitting 226 with a 284 on base and a 353 slugging 637 OPS 80 OPS plus. All right, like good defense and an 80 OPS plus. Yeah, we'll take that. Um, is it is it the greatest thing in the world? No, but all of a sudden you're trading Logan O'Hoppy, who is hitting 275 with 392 on base and a 496 slugging, 889 OPS in Double A. Um, as a 22 year old catcher, as a kid who should probably stick, might be able to stick at catcher. And has offense like offensive catchers are kind of rare, and um, defensive center fielders not that rare. Now, obviously, this is not Brandon Marsh has talent, has upside to be able to be better than what he is now. Like I get that, but for me, I'm not trading. I'm not trading. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, former top hundred prospect, I get it. I'm not trading the potential offensive catcher for a defensive center fielder that might have some untapped offensive potential right now. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, I probably because who they who else did they trade? Uh, they traded Mikey uh, Mikey Moniak. Uh, yeah, Mickey Moniak. Moniak, yeah. Um, I feel like they they, they traded uh, him. They traded him to the. Oh, I can't. I cannot remember now who they traded him to. I will have to go back through my images uh, to see if I can yeah. find it. Oh, he he went to the Angels. That's weird. Oh, for Syndergaard. Oh, that's right. So they did multiple they deals did with the Angels. Different. Why didn't they just wrap them all into one? I don't know. Um. I I I even saw somebody I like on Twitter that said that they like the deal for the Angels better than the Phillies. And like I guess it's how do you how much do you believe in Ohapi? But I don't know. Wait, I guess better or the Phillies. So they like Ohapi more than Marsh, or Marsh so more than Ohapi. Marsh more than Hoppy. It, it, it all depends on what you view these guys as. Just for me, from the outside looking in, um, I can always find a defensive center fielder that can't hit. Yeah. You, you can't always find a hitting catcher. Yeah. I agree. But he does have years of control, and maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll they see something they like to fix him up, and who knows. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Definite potential there, huge potential there. Again, um, you know, the Phillies must have seen something. 
I just, from an outside source looking in, and obviously they know a lot more than me. They know a lot more than me. From an outside source looking in, just from a scarcity standpoint, I'm taking I'm taking the catcher. Yeah, I'd probably just go sign someone in the some free agent to get you that production. Yeah, uh, find someone. There's so many. I mean, you 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 can always you can always always find somebody to man center field and and have decent defense. Um, my my last trade, and and we will end it off here. We will end it off here. I want to talk about the. I guess the Padres again with uh, Victor Acosta, Acosta. And Acosta, and Brandon Drury. Um, because Brandon Drury, of course, did he have a good year with the Reds? Yes, he did. He was hitting 274 with a 335 on base and an 820 slugging, 22 doubles, two triples, 20 home runs. Really, really good stats. <coughs> In Cincinnati's ballpark, but really good stats. Did he have a grand slam last night in his first game with the Padres? Yes, he did. He did, in fact, hit a grand slam in his first at bat with the Padres last night. Uh, so, you know, you got that going for you. He signed as a free agent with the Reds this year. He was granted free agency from the Mets last year. Um, he was yeah, traded. By the Yankees to the with Billy McKinney to the Blue Jays for J.A. Happ, granted free agency, signed with the Mets, granted free agency, signed with the Reds, and then traded for Victor Acosta. Or, or how do you say it? Acosta. Acosta. Victor Acosta. <clears throat> now, Victor Acosta has not had the greatest year. In rookie ball, he has hit 243 with a 346 on base and a 360 slugging. 707 OPS. Um the Padres probably know something we don't, which is probably why they're willing to give him up for a rental in Brandon Drury. That being said, a kid who can play shortstop and who has the eye at the plate that he does, a uh, 100-point better on-base percentage than batting average, I'll take that chance all day and see if he can grow into a little power. I'll take that chance all day for a, all day. For a, for a free agent at the end of the year that you don't need. So I'd love this deal for the Reds. Even if Victor doesn't pan out to be anything at all more than a minor leaguer that just walks a little bit more than um, most other minor leaguers, I'll take it all day and see what happens. Here's the thing with the Padres, though. You look at it like Jack Peterson. You know, like if you look at the past World Series or playoffs the last couple of years, there's always a guy that comes out of nowhere from from a uh, trade deadline deal. Drury, like, destroys – left-handers if i remember where they're they're probably just like that alone for matchups is huge in the playoffs and jock peterson has made a a, a, you bring him up he's made a career on it yeah so that's why you see these guys get traded for you know a little bit more than you would expect at these deadlines but because there is a need for them when it comes down to crunch time all right so a little 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 tidbit for you in his career 765 against lefties in his career. But let's pull up 2022 real quick to see uh, 765 OPS in his career. In um, 2022 versus lefties, he has 1,016 OPS. Um, he is. is, in fact, killing lefties. Now he has an 806 OPS against righties. 
So it's not like he's bad. He's he's pretty good against both, but 1,016 OPS against lefties. And, yeah, you can make a very long career being able to be the strong, you know, strong or weak side of a platoon. Yep. And uh, he was at the Diamondbacks when I was there. He was with the Diamondbacks. Oh. Fun fact. Cool. And, and he can play multiple positions. He can slot in the infield for you at third or second, and he can also play outfield. So... Definitely the type of guy that's nice to have around on a playoff team. Probably hit you one or two big home runs that you're not expecting to get and might be the difference in winning a game. You 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 get a guy who's the difference in winning one game in the playoffs, he's worth having on your team. He's worth in a Victor Acosta all day. Yep. Um, but for the Reds, I mean, grabbing Acosta, grabbing Nuovi Marte, grabbing – we didn't even talk about that deal, Luis Castile. Oh, grabbing – um, Edwin Aurora. We'll talk about it next time. We'll talk about it next time. You can't, you're just gonna get it started, get me all excited, and then say, Yeah, nah? yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I am. Um, <laughs> all those shortstops and Ellie Daily Cruz. I am just so excited. And Ellie Daily Cruz, of course, unlimited upside. Unlimited. Look, look at the deal. I'm telling you, once you look at those guys, the steer, we know about steer, but look at this, uh, the the other kid, the Edwin, I like the three it. namers. We will we will talk about the entire Reds farm system and their guys next time because they are very interesting. Yes, sorry. So, um, that being said, Jimbo, I don't. Do you have any other trades that at all that you want to talk about here, real quick? That aren't. Uh, no, we can save for next one. I do want to talk about some more trades, but I'll save it for next one. We're at one twenty. Right. We're at. We're do you right. do you yeah. do you want to complain about Michael Fulmer at all? I'll wait. Because I know that people are going to want want to hear it, and I, you know, I don't want to waste it at the end of the podcast when they might not be here, anyways. I get it. Yeah, it's good. All right. Well, then we will have part two of um our uh, maybe we'll do a two maybe should we do a should we do a two week podcast week next week? Record Um, early in the week tomorrow or later today. All right, I like it. Um. Then uh, let's uh, let's if you have time tomorrow, let's record tomorrow. We'll put it up early in the week next week. We'll keep it fresh. And then everyone, you will be listening to this on Friday. We are recording it on a Thursday. Outside of that, um, Jimbo, keep that keep that fire for Alavila and the Tigers going until tomorrow. And uh, everyone else, I hope you enjoyed the trade deadline. I hope your team doesn't keep losing games to the Pirates like the Brewers. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your Friday. Talk to you guys again next time. See you.